listening to Law and Gospel on, guess what, January the 24th in the year 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we are going to be taking a look at the last chapter in the book of Proverbs. We're only going to be taking a look at the first nine verses, because next week is what I consider to be the best passage in all of Proverbs, where it talks about a faithful woman. But even in these first nine verses, verse 1 of chapter 31 begins, The words of Lemuel, a king, a prophetic revelation that his mother used to discipline him. So this is words from his mother that she used to discipline him. And when you take a look at the Proverbs, the word discipline means to teach him about the wisdom of Jesus Christ. This particularly, this section is about kings, the bad things kings do and the good things that kings do. We're not really sure who King Lemuel is, L-E-M-U-E-L. It may be a synonym for a faithful king. These proverbs verses 1 to 9, are positioned in the book after the Solomonic Proverbs that were compiled by the men of Hezekiah. Therefore, if Lemuel is a pseudonym for one of Israel's faithful kings, and he lived during the time of Hezekiah or later, he would have to be a king of Judah since the northern kingdom of Israel had been conquered by Assyria in 723 B.C. So, since a large portion of the book of Proverbs is clearly associated with Hezekiah, he is the likely candidate that could be being referred to as King Lemuel. Well, when we take a look at this, then we begin to see that this superscription identifies chapter 31, 1 to 9, as the words of Lemuel's mother. And she used them to discipline and instruct him probably from the time of his childhood onward. Yet Lemuel recognized that her words were an authoritative prophetic revelation. He remembered and recorded them since he considered them to be the very words of God himself. Now, one might think, well, is that really possible? 
Well, there are many other Proverbs that speak of the mother as involved in the spiritual education and formation of children. Remember Timothy. He was brought up by his mother and grandmother. God can inspire women as well as men to speak a divine revelation that he attends to be recorded and preserved as part of his authoritative word. That's best illustrated by Elizabeth's blessing of the Virgin Mary in Luke 1 and the Magnificat by Mary in verses 46 to 55 of Luke 1. A king in Proverbs 31.1 helps the reader understand that the following verses is a revelation of wisdom that Lemuel found to be especially relevant for himself as a king and how he was to govern. He now passes on this wisdom for the benefit of other leaders among God's people. In fact, this contains not simply observations about kings, but also counsel for them. So, we begin to take a look at the very first verse after chapter 1, verse 2. What, my son, what, my very own son, what, son of my vows? Well, this is the mother of Lemuel who's talking about here's what her son needs to learn. And he is her very own son, and the son of her vows. Now, where does that come in? Well, that comes in from the idea that there were vows made by women who, if they would have a child, they would give that child to the Lord. And so this is a vow that she probably made. And therefore, the wisdom that she gives is from God himself. In this context, there is three pieces of advice. And they are all preceded by three questions that draw attention to her authority and responsibility to teach him. These three pieces of advice are linked together by means of repeated words and phrases. So, what are the three pieces of advice that the mother is giving to him. The first one is a warning 
about sexual promiscuity. The second one is uh, advice about alcohol. And the third advice is to ensure that the defenseless receive justice. So the pattern that links these three sayings is unique to these verses in Proverbs. The first saying introduces a line that is repeated. The second proverb likewise introduces a phrase that is repeated in the third. And these proverbs also move from prohibition to encouragement. This is very, very important for the mother to get across. For example, the second saying moves from prohibition of harmful behavior to encouraging helpful behavior. The final encouragement is found in verses 8 and 9. So in verse 2, she calls him my son. By calling him her very own son, she strengthens her claim to have the responsibility as well as the authority to advise him. Then by calling him son of my vows, she asserts that she has a sacred duty to instruct him because it is a fulfilling of a vow that she has made to God. Perhaps God even enabled her to conceive and bear her son after she had made a holy vow about him. Remember, Hannah did that for Samuel in 1 Samuel 1. So, verse 2, what are you dealing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? And then verse 3 begins with advice. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to destroy to those who destroy kings. Now, this is really important. Because even though there are not many kings in our modern world that have Harlems like King Solomon had, many of them still break God's laws of marriage. Remember King Herod did. John the Baptizer, of course, accused him of that, and he got his head cut off for that. This warning is a warning that a harem could be more than a distraction for a king. 
sexual promiscuity may cause his downfall and destroy his kingdom. Now, remember, these words of the mother are also to be used in application to elders in the church or leaders in the church. They, too, are to stay away from promiscuity and fooling around with women who are not their wives. See, the problem lies not just with the women, but with the king's indulgence in a sin readily available to him. In fact, this saying may have in mind Solomon's fall into idolatry under the influence of his heathen wives. That's explained in 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 to 8. And that was contrary to the prohibition of Deuteronomy 17, verse 17. Remember, Solomon was the last king over the united Israel. After his death, his two sons split the kingdom into the northern Israel and the southern Judah, both which eventually fell to other nations, northern Israel to the Assyrians, Judah to the Babylonians. Despite his wisdom recorded in Proverbs, Solomon was led astray by his own passions. Now, that says a lot about our modern societies today who tolerate sexual promiscuity and even the abominations of homosexuality and lesbianism. They wrongly view sex outside of marriage as normal and natural. But no, that is a gift from God that he commanded to be used only within marriage, a lifelong communion of one man and one woman. God ordains this sacred context, Hebrews 13, verse 4, for the good of both spouses and for the well-being of the entire community. Look what happens to children whose parents divorce because one of the spouses began cheating. It is a destruction of the family. To contravene God's design for sexuality is to provoke his destructive judgment on the entire society. Then we get to verses 4 to 7. What are they talking about? It is not for kings, O Lemuel, for kings to drink wine, or for rulers 
to take strong drink. Lest they drink and forget what has been already decreed and prevent the rights of all the afflicted. Now, give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Now, this is a very interesting section of Proverbs. It is a reminder that even the finest fruits of God's creation, namely alcohol, can be abused. And that substance abuse, and today we would include drugs, that those in power who follow that drug affliction can lead to grave injustices throughout society. What does alcoholism do? According to the mother of Lemuel, it closes the mind of the ruler with two results. First, he may not enforce the good laws that he himself or others before him have instituted, like the laws of Moses. And second, he may establish and change long-established laws upon which his kingdom is built. See, the greatest destruction that a king can do, and a leader even in the church, is caused by a failure to govern according to God's word. However, what's interesting about this verse is the misuse of alcohol can also be balanced with its proper use according to Scripture. In John 31, or in, not John, but Proverbs 31, Lemuel is encouraged to supply wine to the poor and suffering so that they may find some pleasure in life and perhaps at least temporarily forget about their misery. Now, this passage is not endorsing drunkenness, which is universally condemned in the Scriptures. Neither is it a license for substance abuse or alcoholism. Resignation to such a lifestyle can be an expression of unbelief in God and a denial of the resurrection and life of the world to come. The same dual view of alcohol can be 
found in the New Testament. Paul condemns drunkenness. Romans 13, Galatians 5, and 1 Peter 4. But encourages the moderate use of wine in the Lord's Supper. Because what do you receive in the Lord's Supper? You receive the very blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore you receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. That's a tremendous gift. Then we have verses 8 and 9. We're going to end with those today. Chapter 31 of Proverbs. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. That's the advice of Lemuel's mother. Encourage him to soothe the pain of the needy and the oppressed. She's encouraged him to be an advocate for the defenseless because they have no other defender unless the believer speaks up with conviction. Lemuel's mother echoes Scripture's expectations for all good kings when she states that she expects him to place a high value on justice and righteousness so that the rich and the powerful may not take advantage of the poor and the weak. The rich and the powerful, they don't need defenders because they have the resources to defend themselves. Yet those in high positions in government and in the church are often swayed by their friendships with the rich and influential people of society. The result can be government favoritism and policies that intentionally or not deny justice for the powerless. This saying reminds those in high office of the potentially corrupting effect of friendship with the mighty who are not following the will of God. In modern times, abortion of unwanted children has become commonplace, and even infanticide is increasingly tolerated, as also is euthanasia and the selective denial of life-preserving care. When a person is judged to be a burden or no longer useful to society, infants still in the womb cannot physically speak for themselves.
They rely wholly on God and their mothers to protect their lives. Many who are incapacitated or elderly likewise cannot protest in humane treatment. Even those who have the physical ability to speak may be deprived of due rights to defend themselves in the judicial and legal systems. So these proverbs that are spoken by the mother of Lemuel remind those in power and indeed all believers that God calls them to defend the defenseless. Wise leaders are friends of God who watch over the poor and the lowly as found in Proverbs 3 and chapter 14. Believers who serve as advocates reflect Christ, the righteous one, who is the soul and universal advocate for sinners before God the Father, as taught by Job chapter 16, verse 19, and by 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. Tremendous verses, these first nine verses of Proverbs 31. And next week we will conclude our study of the book of Proverbs talking about a faithful woman. What are her characteristics? It will be a wonderful time to listen to God's advice and holy word. I'm Tom Baker. Join us next week for the end of the book of Proverbs. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.